0: the call to action behind the great commission is one to go go and preach the gospel go and teach all nations it's one that sends us out to our friends and to the regions beyond around the world but how are we going to reach this goal to go if we haven't even made the decision to come to christ if we haven't made the decision to follow jesus and to be his disciple then Will our words really have that much weight behind them? Are people gonna listen to us if the message that we are going with doesn't match the life that we're living? I'm Damon Matachera, let's talk missions. Hey, everyone, welcome back to the show. Wherever you're tuning in from, I hope that you're blessed, that you're still enjoying this brand new year, 2023. How are all those New Year's resolutions working out? I know that we made choices. We said, I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to serve the Lord more. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to diet. Whatever it was, are you still faithfully committed to following through with everything that you wanted to do for this year? Listen, we're only a couple of weeks in. Don't give up now. (laughs) We just started. And as I tell my children, no pain, no gain. It's really hard when you first start because you're trying to build a routine. And the routine, a lot of times, is different from the routine that you've already had, the one that you've already established in your life. You have to establish a new pattern of how you're living and choices that you're making. And that is hard. It's brutal on the body and your body is going to reject it, and you're gonna say no, especially when it comes to exercise. Uh, I have an Apple Watch, and I'm trying to count my steps. We actually have a Team Hope Step Challenge going on right now, where all of us are together. We can see you know, how many steps we each have, and it's good, because it, it brings a measure of accountability to our exercise routine. Uh, but I'm trying to go for 10,000 steps. They say that the average American walks between two to 4,000 steps. And if that's you, well then let me challenge you to get out there and to be more active. Because if all you have is two to 4,000 steps per day, you are going to be in for a world of hurt in a few years. You need to be more active. So we have this team room where we're trying to encourage each other to walk steps and to really increase our activity. and you know, my reasoning is, hey, 10,000 steps, I'm going to win. Everything, you know, I, I love a challenge. I'm pretty competitive. I like winning. I don't think there's anything wrong with liking to win. What did Paul say? He said, run that you may obtain. You know, you should run so that you can get the prize. And that is my mentality with every competition or game. And You know I own it and now granted I am also a good loser I know how to lose and if someone beats me I will have the dignity to say well done and I can try to do better next time but we have this competition going and one of the members I'm not going to mention names they decided one day to double the amount of time that they were spending exercising and they raked up 18,000 steps now my goal was 10 and so the day after that, I had to do 22,000 steps, and I'm wondering, where is this going to lead? if we're all trying to up each other, and you know, one does 10 and then the other one does 18, and then I have to do 22 I mean, am I going to have to walk 30,000 steps next week? I hope not. It's a lot of work, and I feel like, you know, it's just a lot. But it's a lot of fun, and we're having a great time. If you are not walking, it's a great low-impact activity, and you can do well, you would do well to be more active yourself. So be faithfully committed to fulfilling the decisions that you have made. And as well, be faithfully committed to what you've decided to do in your walk with Christ. I hope that within those New Year's resolutions, you've also made choices about how you want to know the Lord better, how you want to be more involved in the Great Commission. You know, today we're going to be looking at these two callings that we have in the Word of God. One calling to go and to follow Jesus, and the other calling to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know, a lot of times we don't connect these two callings together, but really, depending on how you look at them, they're almost one in the same. Or at the very least, one leads into the other. And so we're going to look at this today. But, you know, we often understand the Great Commission as merely a call to go and do, to do something, to go and evangelize, to teach all nations. It's a very performance-driven command Uh, At least that's how we interpret it. People, People often see evangelism as one thing, but following Christ as something different altogether. But could it be that there's a lot more between these two calls, the call to go and follow and then the call to serve? You know, how are you going to tell people about Jesus? How are you going to fulfill the Great Commission if you haven't decided to follow Christ? How are you gonna tell people about a relationship that you are not exhibiting? How are you going to to share a faith that you're not cultivating? And so we can follow the Great Commission and look at it as a very performance-driven task because we are task-oriented people. But that's not enough. That can't be the foundation of of our work as we try to do the ministry. As you do your ministry it can't just be a task driven um, activity we have to go back and number one say am I following Christ I have to know that I have decided to abandon myself to give up everything about who I am and what I want everything that I hope to be all of that I have to give that up and I have to surrender myself to God and to prioritize that relationship. And as I grow in my faith and as I grow in my desire to know him, then that is naturally going to lead in to me wanting to go and to tell others and to me going to, to give them that same message that changed my life. But if there's no change, if there's no relationship between me and God, then what do I have to talk about? <laughs> what weight do my words have if if i'm not living it if i'm not exhibiting that same relationship that i want them to have and so that call to fulfill the great commission can only be accomplished if we first prioritize that call to be a disciple and that is what you have to figure in your life are you following christ we know mark chapter 16 verse 15 Jesus said, and he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That is basically the Great Commission in a nutshell, going and preaching the gospel. But can I tell you one thing? I look at this call, the Great Commission, as the fruit of following Christ. Because in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, when Jesus was was speaking, he said, and he said unto them, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And so here we have the real call. I look at this as what needs to be the foundation in our life for everything that we do. Every motive, every decision needs to be based on following Christ and our love for Christ and that desire to know him more. If we're to look at this call to follow Jesus, if we're to break it down to the most rudimentary and fundamental concept, we could say this that following Jesus is when we abandon ourselves, our dreams, our aspirations, because we want Jesus more. I think that's it. Do you want Jesus more? Then, all of a sudden, when we look at this call to fulfill the Great Commission, it's not about performance anymore, but rather it goes back to following Christ. And it's about building a relationship. It's a relationship-driven call to action. You know, we excel with measuring performance, with measuring our effectiveness. Our American culture has a spreadsheet mentality, and, and I own it. I mean, I'm the guy who has this Apple Watch and I'm measuring, you know, every step that I take. I'm measuring uh, my, my heart rate and my oxygen levels. And I have, I have all the data. I love looking at data. Don't you? Uh, maybe not everyone, but it fascinates me. I love looking at things and comparing my, my readings and my metrics from day to day. Uh, that, that makes me feel good about myself, like I'm making progress but we can't really gauge our walk with God by statistics. Uh, You know, the Great Commission, we often look at as being measured with numbers. You know, how many people were saved? How many uh, souls were, how many people were baptized? How many were discipled? And at the end of the day, how much did it cost? And so we wanna know all of the metrics of how things work and how it all came together. You know, they say, what is the the cost of a soul? How many times have you been to a missions conference and a preacher got up and said, hey, do you know what the cost of a soul is? Uh, Really meaning that, do you know the value? Can you appreciate the value of a soul? Well, I think some people took it a little more literally and they actually figured out what the cost of a soul was. There's a missions organization called CORE Um, I'm not a big fan of the organization um, with their premise being on uh, supporting nationals. I think it actually disempowers them and sets them up for failure in the long run. But I know there's many different ways of doing things. I just don't agree with this particular way. But this mission organization called CORE has... All the metrics together, all of the data, they've brought it all in, and they figured out that the value of a soul in December of 2022, at least within their ministry, came down to $9.52. Now, I'm not sure how I should feel about this, because how are we putting a price tag on reaching a soul for Christ? Our job is to give the message. Our job is to talk to people, to show them our faith and how God can change their life. And it's his, his job, his responsibility to go and, and to save them and to forgive them. But when I put a price tag on it, I'm making the Great Commission all about money. And that's a little disconcerting. But, but even more so, what's another factor that maybe we should be worried about you know, in December, it was $9.52 per soul, one to Christ. But the month before, in November, it was $9.97. Really showing us that the value of a soul depreciated by $0.45. Cents. I mean, with this recession, I'm wondering what's going to happen in 2023. I mean, we might go down to $7. $7.50? $7. Who knows? I mean, what will happen then, and how are we going to work in, you know, different exchange rates? If the Zambian kwacha is close to 18 kwacha to the dollar, how does that, you know, how does that translate into the cost and value of a soul when we put all of those metrics in? So you see all the complications that we get, but this is what's going on. We love metrics, statistics. We love charts and figures and reports to measure. How successful that we are but ask yourself this do these metrics will they tell you if someone knows the Lord <laughs> will they tell you if this person has chosen to abandon their life so that they could follow Jesus no it doesn't you know metrics are good I, I love looking at all the statistics but we cannot do that and, and what, to something that is spiritual, to something that really God is doing—it's it's the work of God, and we can't metric that. You know, Paul in Philippians chapter three, he talked about a few things that are really really important. We we mentioned this last in our last episode, but Paul wanted to know Jesus. He was really focused on his relationship with the Lord. That's the priority. I mean, he's one of the greatest missionaries of all time, and yet we find him more uh, focused on God, more, more focused on Jesus and knowing him than following the metrics. And he was willing to leave everything else behind in pursuit of that goal. He wanted to know Christ. In Philippians chapter three, verse seven and eight, the Bible says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss, For Christ, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. So why does the thought of giving up your life scare you so much? Paul said, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss. What are we afraid of? Why are we so afraid of giving up our life? Why are we afraid of what God might ask of us or what God may ask us to do? If that fear is driving you, that fear of of what God might require of you, if that question is crippling you to the point where you are so afraid to ask yourself, what if God should call me to do this? Or what if God should call me to go here? If that is your concern, then know that you are not a disciple of the Lord. A disciple of God is gonna say, I'm ready. I'm ready to go wherever he should ask me. I'm, I'm willing to do whatever he needs done. Why are you holding on to your life so tightly, so tightly that you just don't want to let go? Paul said all of the things that he valued, all of the things that his culture valued, he said, those things, I count them but loss. Those things aren't really going to help me to know God, to have a relationship with the Lord. He wanted to win Christ. He wanted that relationship with Christ at any cost. That was his motivating factor. That is what drove the Apostle Paul, and that is what needs to drive us. As we try to fulfill the Great Commission, it can't be simply about leading people to Christ. That is a a great and worthy goal, but it can't be about that. It has to be about, am I following Christ? And as I follow Christ, yes, I will naturally have that desire to tell people about what I am experiencing In my own life. But you are not a disciple of Jesus until you are willing to abandon yourself and to leave everything behind. Now, that doesn't mean that God's going to call you to Africa. It doesn't mean that. Now, maybe He will. But it doesn't mean that He's going to ask you to move 8,000 miles away. But the point is this If, if you have abandoned yourself to Jesus, you'll be willing to. You'll be willing to sacrifice whatever he should ask, and and that would be a worthy cause. And you would count it all joy to, to give of yourself and of your life to follow Christ in your walk in following Christ. But why pay such a high cost? I mean, we're talking about giving up your life. We're talking about giving up everything that you are and everything that you hope to be, but why? People may ask why do I need to leave everything behind? Can't I know God and, you know, enjoy all that the good things that this world has to offer? It goes back to that one of those first questions that I was asking you. Do you love God more? And if you do, then then show it. A life that loves God more will be willing to give more in search of that goal. What's the value of a sacrifice that doesn't cost anything? Now, obviously, there is no value. If a sacrifice has no cost, then it has no value. You know, in Philippians chapter 3, a couple of verses later, verse 13 and 14, Paul continued and he said because I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You see we're always quick to sacrifice that which doesn't cost us anything. We have the example of the widow with her two mites the reason why Christ accepted that gift, that sacrifice, is because of the cost. You see, if we give of our abundance, you know, we'll be quick to do that. We'll give of the, all that we have as long as we're still able to enjoy everything that we want to enjoy. As, as long as we're able to do everything that we want to do in our life. You know, we'll say to God, we'll say, Lord, uh, I will follow you, but first, let, I want to experience life. I want to save money. I want to secure my future. I want to establish myself. And then I will follow, I'll follow you. Lord, let me first live the American dream. After all, I am an American, and I have all of these things to enjoy. Then I will follow you. But as Paul said in, in Philippians 3, he said, I press toward the mark. You see, we all have a mark. Which one are you running towards? Which one are you living for? With Paul's analogy of running a race, he reminded us of removing any distractions that would take away our focus from pressing toward that mark. But sometimes we don't like the lane that we're in, we don't like that mark that we're running towards. We prefer Maybe someone else's mark. Maybe we would prefer a different lane altogether. And, and so we'll, we'll deviate. We'll kind of choose an alternate route, a, a life that's better, a life that's more comfortable, a life that maybe uh, is more accommodating to our desires. And, and that's the race that we want to run. But Paul said here, I'm, I'm going to be putting behind all of those things, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Are you reaching forward to the mark that God has for you? Not the mark that this world has for you, but the mark that God has. Are you faithfully living your life to follow Jesus? Is that your mark? It's only something that you can know, and you have to make the choice. To decide, I'm going to follow Christ. But don't commit to Christ if you have no intention of following through. We're so quick and easy to raise our hand and to, to say and, and to pledge our fealty and loyalty to Jesus when we have no intention of taking up our cross. We have no intention of denying ourselves. I mean, denying ourselves, <laughs> that's not part of the American dream. Uh, We need to fulfill every desire, and we need to make something of ourselves. But this goes in direct opposition to that, that walk, if we're to really follow him. In Luke chapter 14, I want to read a couple of verses. Just bear with me. I'll read quickly. The Bible says in verse 25, And there went out great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, and his own life also. He cannot be my disciple, and whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he hath sufficient to finish it, Lest, happily, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? or else while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth uh, an embassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. So we have a lot going on in this passage that I just went through, and all of these reasons Of why these people were not able to follow christ what did jesus say if you're not willing to abandon yourself you cannot be my disciple so don't claim that you're a follower of christ if you haven't counted the cost if you're not willing to pay the price in the end you'll be more of a hindrance to the gospel than an asset how many start well they'd never really finish because to them, the cost was more than they were willing to pay. When so many disciples in the scriptures, they had left Jesus in John chapter six, uh, and they had reasons. They had reasons that they thought were really important that caused them not to follow Jesus anymore. Well, he turned to the 12 and he said, will ye also go away? How many started in 2022 thinking that they would follow Jesus anywhere, but before the new year had already left him? Will he also go away? How would you like to have been counted in that number, that number of people that their faithlessness was immortalized by that choice to leave Jesus, to not continue with him anymore? How would, it, how would it be to forever be known to be counted in that group of people, that group, the faithless that, that went away? We need to make sure that we count the cost. When we look at the Great Commission, I mean, relatively, it, it's easy to accomplish. You go, you give them a gospel tract, you present truth. You don't need to give of yourself, per se, but when it comes to following Christ, when it comes to prioritizing Him and abandoning your life and denying yourself and taking up your cross and all of that, then there's a cost. Then there's sacrifice. And that's when we need to decide how important is living our faith and how important is Jesus really to us and are we willing to follow through. This year, 2023, are you willing to follow through? You know, I've known Christ for 32 years. I've been involved in missions for 22. And after all of that, let me just encourage you for a moment and say it, it's been worth it. And, and yes, it's been hard, but there haven't been any regrets. No one ever advertised that following Jesus would be easy or that Christians are perfect that they're without sin, but it has been worth it. Sometimes it's hard, but keep at it. You know, this year in 2023, it could be a hard year for you. There could be trials. There could be obstacles to your faith. But listen, keep pressing toward the mark. Keep following Jesus. So much is at stake, not just for us, but for those that are following us. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. There are people within our influence that are looking to us. They're looking to you. Maybe it's your children, maybe your friends, maybe your family, different people in your life for their sake, but for your sake. Be committed, be faithful. You know, I recognize that even in my own life, I've made it this far, and I am who I am today, not because I'm a great guy. And and my wife would say I'm a great guy, but it's not because of that but rather because of the investment that others made in my life. My my father, my, my parents, my pastors, other godly men, my family, different people in my life that have invested in me. And the same could be said of you. You are who you are today because of the investment of others. But who are you now investing in? If this life that we have in Christ is so great, if it's as great as we advertise, then who are you bringing along with you to raise in the faith? Who are you bringing with you as you walk towards Christ? Is there anyone following you? Does anyone look to you? Do you have an example that's worth following? You know, we are social people, and we work best when we're not alone. I mean, it's just a fact. Uh, if you have people that are working together, they can get a, really, they can get a lot done. I mean, the Tower of, of Babel, I know it's a biblical example, but I mean, nothing was impossible for them. You had all these people working together. Now granted, they were working in direct rebellion to God. But imagine if we could direct that, that synergy in the church to following Christ. Just the good that could be done. Now when we look at the word of God, you know why was Adam incomplete without Eve? You have two people, they needed each other. We have that Old Testament example about uh, woe to him that falleth in a pit and hath not another to help him out. We have other examples. We have Moses and Joshua. We have Elijah and Elisha. Paul and Barnabas and so many other of people. The disciples were sent out two by two. We are social people and we have an effect on those around us. Bring someone with you. Make it a goal this year that you are going to bring someone with you. Now you need to follow Christ. Understand that your walk with Christ has to be between you and God. Follow Jesus for your relationship with Christ. But as you're following God, Set the example that others can follow. And as you're doing that, and as you are growing and knowing the Lord, and as you are following Him, you are going to bear much fruit. And that's where the Great Commission comes in. In John chapter 15, verse 5, the Bible says, I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in Him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. A true follower of Christ will take time to cultivate their own relationship with God. You're going to take time to abide in Him. The direct result of this abiding is bearing fruits. And when our Christianity becomes real and we take down this facade, when we take down this desire just to follow the American dream, to conform to uh, our church culture that we have set up before us with all of these expectations of what that means and what we want, when we take that down and all we have is Jesus and all we have is wanting to know him, and wanting him in our life, then our faith will start producing fruit, both in our own lives and in the lives of those around us. Uh, In the same chapter, John 15, verse 7, "...if ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples." Verse 16, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. So the people that you are going to, to lead to the Lord, they're going to come naturally as a, a vine producing fruit. And this is the analogy that we have here in the book of John. The Great Commission needs to be about knowing Jesus with you first. Yes, I know that you've already accepted him. You already you know him. You have salvation. But the Great Commission starts with you continuing now and cultivating the salvation which you are already in possession of. And as you know Jesus and as you are following him and prioritizing that relationship, then that is going to have an effect on the people in your life. We need to stop trying to fulfill a program and to meet a quota. We need to start living the abundant life that only comes from walking with Christ. And as a direct result of those endeavors, our involvement in the Great Commission is going to be fruitful. And we are going to see a harvest And we're going to see people, they're going to want to come and and to learn more about what we have to say because they're going to see that a life matches our words. And they're going to see that in you. And they're going to say, this person knows the Lord. I want to know what they have to say. So let's do our best and get involved where we are and how we can. And this really needs to be At the forefront of our missions endeavors it's not about the great commission it's not about the people that need to hear the gospel it's about you as a christian following jesus and as you follow him that level of commitment and love that you are growing in is going to naturally lead you to leading others to him as well and at that point when you have denied yourself and taken up your cross then people are going to notice it and they're going to say, I want what they have, what they have. That Christianity is real because how many Christians today have a form of godliness, but they deny the power? And so let that be an encouragement to you. Yes, we have two calls. One, to go and to, to preach the gospel, to make disciples of all nations, but the other, to follow Jesus, whatever it takes. Listen, Follow that call first, that call to follow Jesus. Prioritize that one first. The other will just come naturally. You're going to have that desire. But you need to make that decision to follow Christ. It's going to be hard. There's going to be challenges. But know that you're not alone. And there are people that are making those same decisions with you. So thank you again for tuning in to today's broadcast Um, you know, we're learning about the Great Commission, and it is a worthy topic to learn about and to implement in our lives. And I hope that as we move forward that you're able to be encouraged and to want to do more, that you're able to evaluate your own walk with God and so that you can do the best that you can. So don't forget, as we get ready to close up today's episode, uh, follow us on on Facebook, follow us online. You can go onto your favorite podcast platform. We try to put these on so many different platforms. Uh, different people like going to different places uh, to listen to their favorite podcasts. I don't, I'm don't. not saying that this is your favorite podcast. Maybe it is, or maybe it will be. <laughs> but check us out, like us on our Facebook page. Uh, interact with us, we want to hear from you. We want to know what do you think about what we're talking about. And if you have any questions, you can go and you can comment. Um, we wanna answer those questions. You can learn more about who we are uh, at Hope Zambia, who we are, my family, the Manitara family, as we've been serving here in this country. Uh, and you can learn more about that on our website at hopezambia.com. So again, uh, I'm wishing you the very best and please greet everyone wherever you are. Looking forward to seeing you next time. Until then, God bless. We'll see you later, bye.